0: 100% natural, certified organic and Australian-made, Maca balm is an all-natural, multi-purpose balm created by Australian actress Pia Whitesell and formulated to protect, heal and nourish the skin. Consciously crafted from nine certified organic ingredients and suitable for both mums and bubs, this truly multi-use skin salve can be used to soothe chapped lips, repair dry skin, nourish rough elbows, knees and cuticles, tame the brows and, my personal favourite use, pressed into the high planes of the face to catch the light and give the skin a glow. The formula is minimal but each ingredient is essential and of the highest quality, with nutrient-rich macadamia and native kakadu sitting at its core. Protect, repair and nourish with Macabalm, Available at www.macabam.com Hello and welcome to the Glow Journal podcast. A conversation with the beautiful minds behind the world's biggest beauty brands. I'm your host, beauty writer Gemma Watts. And in this episode, I'm joined by the founder of Maccabam, Pia Whitesell. Pia's first memories of beauty centre around strength rather than aesthetics. Raised by her mother, grandmother, and as she tells me, really her entire community, Pia grew up identifying beauty with strength and with getting it done. An ethos she has taken into her own adult life. Another ethos that has taken Pia from her teens right through to now is this idea of natural beauty and an understanding that your beauty lies within the things that make you uniquely you. Despite winning the now infamous Dolly magazine model search at the age of 14, Pia tells me that she grew up feeling different as a Latina going to both school and to castings with girls who didn't share her body shape nor the colour of her skin, her eyes or her hair. Her modelling career saw her walking in fashion shows with the likes of Helena Christensen and Linda Evangelista. And it was at this point, the height of the 90s, that she began to appreciate the aesthetic of the time, pared back natural beauty. As a model, an actress, and a mother, Pia had identified a gap for a true beauty multitasker, a natural do-it-all product. And as she began researching native Australian ingredients, She came across the humble macadamia, the benefits of which you'll hear more about in our conversation, and so Macabarm was born. A mere 12 months following the brand's launch into Australia, Pia is already working on the brand's US launch. In this conversation, Pia shares the lessons she has learnt around the comparison trap and why she's passing those lessons on to her teenage sons. The challenges she's faced as a brand launching with a single SKU, and how a pest controller could have undone the years of work she put into gaining Macabam's organic certification. were born in Chile and grew up in Melbourne after your family migrated to Australia so let's start right there at the very beginning what is your very earliest memory of beauty?
1: Well I was actually raised by my mother and my grandmother and in a sense my entire family like the whole village kind of raised me that's that's how we raise all of our children so I suppose um, being raised by a single mother my first idea of beauty because I always felt that she was so beautiful and she is so beautiful really was just strength you know like that's what I identified beauty with just strength and getting it done I love that answer
0: was your was your mother a fashion designer is that correct
1: yeah so she was in fashion school and kind of started her own little fashion line so wow. yeah it was,
0: Yeah, I would love to hear more about your relationship with her and how she kind of shaped your approach to beauty.
1: Yeah, so she had her passion for fashion um, in Chile and, um, you know, that's definitely transpired in the way she carries herself and in her overall aesthetic. But I think when she moved to Australia, um, you know, she wasn't really able to to continue that. She kind of worked back-to-back jobs, you know, cleaning jobs, whatever job she could get to raise the three of us. Um, so she was a sole breadwinner. So I think that beauty really wasn't, um, you know, a luxury that mm-hmm. she could, you know, uh, put a lot of her time into. So again, um, you know, I think what I observed um, being raised by her was that there was beauty in in her strength, but also just in her simplicity, like in her not needing to really do much and then still be able to carry herself with such grace.
0: I understand that you were enrolled in modelling school at around the age of seven. Prior to that, had modelling or really anything from that world been of interest to you?
1: Definitely not, <laughs> no. And it actually wasn't a modelling school. It was more of a uh, like a deportment school. Wow. Ah. Um, so it wasn't modeling school. I, I don't know where where that came from, but it was um, it was a supportment school, which is kind of an outdated concept today. I, I don't think they they exist anymore. But uh, when I was growing up, um, my mum sent me to you know this this school, and I am actually really grateful for the things that I did learn. It was just um, a lot of messaging around you know, how to fully be in your space, how to carry yourself, how to, you know, um, correct your posture, um, how to speak with your full voice, Um, you know, things that I really use today that I felt were really handy for me today. So, um, yeah, I think that, I I don't know, she had some sort of uh, foresight to understand that it was something that would come in handy and it definitely has. So at
0: that time, what did you think you might be when you grew up?
1: At that time?
0: Yeah, when you were a child. (laughs)
1: I I honestly thought that I would like I think all of us went through maybe a marine biologist phase. Um, I think growing up in answer. Australia, right? I think in Australia we all you know we love the ocean and and we're so connected to the ocean that I I was sure at some stage that I'd that I'd be a marine biologist when I was really little and then as I grew up I wanted to be I wanted to be a fighter pilot like. Um, and then again, and then as I got older, then I wanted to be, um, I wanted to be somewhat involved in like social science and youth programs. So, I mean, I've gone through so many phases of what I thought I'd end up doing, um, but definitely not modeling. So it is interesting that my life did take that turn.
0: So it was in 1998 that, that, that turn happened. You were 14 and you won the Dolly model search. I would love to hear more about that time and what that experience was like?
1: Yeah. So I was, uh, all of 14 and, um, again, modeling wasn't something that I was, uh, interested in or that even, even I thought I could do. I was, you know, an awkward teenager, like all of us were. And, um, a friend of ours, actually a family friend of ours that worked in a fashion store down the road. Um, he's the one that entered entered me. I say us because, you know, it was us as a collective, meaning my brother, sister and I were all on the journey together. Um, but, uh, he entered me into that modeling contest. He was like, there's something in your kid. <laughs> I can see it. And, um, and yeah, so he entered me and then I got a call that I was like, he told me though, he, and he did ask for my mother's permission and she said, sure. Um, and then we got into the top six and then from the top six, we, you know, I ended up winning, um, you know, that that Dolly Cover Girl contest, which then was a very pivotal moment in my life for sure.
0: I mean, I've had Miranda Kerr on here and she said exactly the same thing, didn't enter herself, had absolutely no understanding of how, Big of a deal it was going to be. You were only fourteen. Did you understand how potentially life changing that was going to be for you?
1: Absolutely not. I mean, I it was the first trip I took away. I took away from my family. Um, you know, I flew to Sydney. I'd never really been away from my family. Everything that I've ever done was always as, as a collective with my family. Um, and yeah, it was my real. It was my first real taste of uh, of independence I suppose and responsibility and um, you know understanding money matters and it, it just it really did um, propel me into a, a grown-up world if you will um, at a young age and and that's something that I am grateful for of course I feel like I matured very quickly and just had a very different worldview from the rest of my friends that weren't working you know didn't have early call times didn't really understand what it was like to have to, you know, be on a set and, and that, you know, it was a collective that we're all working together. Um, So yeah, it, it was a very good life lesson for sure. Well, let's
0: talk a little more about that time because you then spent the ensuing years modelling and in turn doing quite a lot of travelling. I would love to hear more about what you were observing specifically around beauty throughout your travels. Did you notice any differences in the way that people from different countries were approaching beauty and were there any locations or any kind of ethoses anywhere that were really resonating with you?
1: Well, one thing that was overwhelming at the time it was it was the nineties, right? It was the late nineties, early two thousands. It was the era of the supermodels, and I remember, you know, uh, walking shows with some of it, like being lucky enough to walk shows with with Helena or with Linda. And I just remember being so taken back by their natural beauty. It really was a time of natural beauty it really was a time of celebration of everything that it was to be you know um, a woman in that idea of what woman was then and um i just remember thinking that they were all so gorgeous and somewhat like statuesque in there and goddess like in their beauty um and that's where i think i learned that less is definitely more and that nothing really does beat natural beauty I think that's when it really was like that's when it really landed on me, and it stuck with me ever since. You know, in the way that, you know, I like to do my own hair and makeup, in the way that I like to present myself, in the way that I like to dress, in the way that I have formulated product that is the whole ethos around it is natural beauty. Um, Yeah, in the things that I find inspiring or aspiring, um, I think that's where I really understood that that really nothing beats natural beauty. All that. around us, you know, not not just in in our faces um, and not just in the way we dress, but I mean, all around us. I mean, there is so much natural beauty everywhere.
0: Full circle. Now, we might have a bit of overlap here, but I would love to know if there were any lessons that you took from your experience modeling, particularly when your career was in its infancy, that you find you are still applying to your work now.
1: Yeah, well, I think one of the biggest things that, and it, and it was a bit of a lesson, um was that I I didn't really know how to appreciate the things that I had that were innately just mine. Um I was comparing myself a lot. I wanted to be thinner. You know, why mm. do I have these hips? <laughs> well you have these hips because you're Latina. But you know it was like well, you know, how do I get slimmer and how do I get this and how do I get that? And you know, there was a there was a phase I went through where I, you know I was offended by my dimples. <laughs> like, could you imagine? Like, um, and and it was just not really understanding and not having the maturity or the presence of mind to really know that, you know, the things that make you uniquely you—that's your beauty—and it all comes back to this whole philosophy of natural beauty and really accepting, loving, and you know, presenting to the world with what is uniquely and innately just yours. And it took me a little while to get there because in my early days, I definitely was comparing myself to other people and I didn't look like them. I didn't have the same color hair and I didn't have the same color eyes and the same skin tone. And, you know, they were, those were the things that would bug me. And then as I progressed just in my own life and in my own um, I suppose, um, maturity of self. It's when I realise that, you know, those are the things that I actually quite like now. <laughs> um, and that's something that, you know, has carried me through this, this kind of, you know, the, the following and, and, and ensuing um, phases of my life after those early modeling days.
0: Thank you for sharing that because that is something everyone goes through in some way or another, comparing yourself to other people and just not appreciating what is yours. Everyone goes through it. But in three years of this podcast, I honestly think that's the first time it's come up.
1: Oh, well, you know, what I i, I teach my boys now, comparison really is the thief of joy. I tell mm. you what, because you're living outside of yourself when, you know, if you were just able to kind of go, ah. Oh, you know, this, this is me. And, you know, and for me it was growing up um, in Australia where all of my peers and a lot of the castings that I went to, you know, I was like the, like the kind of, odd, <laughs> not oddball, but you know, I, I definitely was uh, different to a lot of um the girls that were there in terms, just in terms of, you know, my, my skin tone and my coloring and, and also my shape, you know, and it was something that was, that was different and unique, uh, particularly for a girl of, of my age. And it was something that I really kind of um, was a bit of ashamed of or embarrassed of. And I would often compare myself and um, it wasn't until it really landed in me. And I had, I had that big aha moment that I was like, no, you know, the fact that I am kind of different is really what what makes me me <laughs> and that's, um yeah I mean that's something that I try and teach my boys every day and you know yeah
0: that's what I was about to say how lovely to hear that that's what you're teaching your boys as well like it's not yeah it's not a gender exclusive lesson
1: Oh no! I teach my boys that. I teach my nieces that. I, you know, I have conversations often with, um, you know, but because I recognise it, we all go through it, particularly in those teenage years. You know, you you see it, and you know, just to celebrate those those beautiful um, things that are unique to the person is what makes it with what makes their magic their magic.
0: All of this knowing the brand and the product all makes a lot of sense now <laughs> if research serves me you began taking acting lessons around 2009 what was it that drew you to acting
1: okay so the the, the acting journey and how how I got there um it, it, well it started with modeling right and you know, I, I was modeling and, you know, I was having photographs taken of me and and doing TV commercials. And, and then when I was doing TV commercials and I was getting booked for a lot of TV commercials, I was like, oh, how interesting. Are there any speaking parts? Like I was really interested in speaking. You know, it was like I was just, it's like I got over just being, you know, this, uh, you know, this um, canvas, if you will. And then I was like, no, wait, I, I want to speak. Like I have something to say. And then... I started presenting. So then I went into hosting first and presenting and I really enjoyed that and I love that. And then there was a curiosity within me about emotional life, you know, and then like the next layer of it. And, you know, how can we get to the soul of something? And what if they're like, what if I don't want to be like, you know, glowy and, and welcoming all the time. Like, what if I want to be angry? And what if I want to, you know, have rage and riot? And what if I want to be ugly? And and that's how the, um, the attraction to acting came. It was just to be able to strip back layers and layers and layers. And, and, you know, it started just at doing, you know, drama lessons where I could express all of that and I didn't have to be presented perfectly all the time. And that's what really... Drew me to it, and that's when I fell in love with it. And yeah, and that's why I pursued it, actively pursued it.
0: Well, you got to run the gamut of those emotions. You took on a number of acting and presenting roles, perhaps most notably the role of Cat Chapman on Home and Away, for which you were nominated for a Logie Award, worth touching on. I would love to know throughout this, your acting, you're clearly loving it. Did you have any ambitions in the back of your mind to start your own business one day?
1: Well, I, to be honest, I'm not surprised that I own my own business. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't realize that I would ever be a serious businesswoman, but I do definitely remember, you know, with my best friend in school being like, okay, you know, we used to, buy these denim jackets at like um, flea stores and then like spray paint them and put slogans on them and then try and sell them. So like I always had a little bit of an entrepreneurial mindset and I always had like this, what if we start this trend? And then I remember making beaded jewelry and feathered jewelry and like the shells and it was like, let's start a line of jewelry, you know, let's do this handmade jewelry thing. So there's always been an aspect of me that has always had a creative, um, you know, a creative need and then let's bring it out into the world, you know, like the world needs this. The world does not need spray painted jackets or more beaded jewelry. But um, I'm not surprised that I am a founder and that I do have a business because I have always had that sense and that drive for sure.
0: I think there probably still is a gap for a spray painted Denim jacket. <laughs> Denim jacket.
1: I okay, I think all in the right market that
0: could go <laughs> Watch over quite this well. Space. <laughs> <laughs> That's a scoop. Now, speaking <laughs> of identifying a gap, I've read that the whole reason you launched Macabam was out of a want for a legitimate multitasker, particularly given that you're a mother who has needed a product product, sorry, that you can apply to baby skin, something that you can pop on. Teenage skateboarding injuries, whatever it might be on any given day. But at what point did you really identify that gap in the market?
1: For me, it was definitely, I remember the moment of needing something like Macabam when I was breastfeeding. Um, I remember thinking, I want something that is safe for me. Um, you know, for what was going on with me. And then also for the baby, should it transfer? And I remember going out to the store and finding that there were a few products that existed for that purpose. And when I turned it around and read the label, there were so many things on there that I didn't recognize. And I thought, oh, you know, so-and-so said it's okay, but it's really okay. And there was a lot of guesswork in it. And I think looking back at that time, that's when I was like, oh my gosh, you know, there are products that i love for my skin and there are you know balms and there is this and that and this hero product and that hero product but can it really transfer to that moment and that's when i think the magic of maca balm actually happened because it, it really is a multi-use balm from you know your baby when your baby's just you know a newborn to when they're a little toddler and they get their little you know cuts bruises and scrapes to when you know my 18 year old the other day came and said mom i've got really dry lips do you have any balm <laughs> like <laughs> yes i do so it really has journeyed and it's really like for me with them now i wish that i had that product then and my new mums that you know are macabomb fans absolutely love it and trust it and they trust me and they're like you know, I know that this is what you would have used on your boys. And I've been using it on my baby since this and since that and so on and so on. And I hear so many stories like that. So I really wish that I had it then. And I'm so proud and so glad that, you know, new mums can have it now. But of course, it's also an awesome product just for me, you know, (laughs) like, I love it as a beauty product. I love it as a, you know, a primer, as a highlighter. And then my husband uses it all the time when he's playing golf, you know, to as his lips get or skiing. So it really has become in our family such a multi-purpose balm that we absolutely love and now can't live without.
0: So you'd identified the gap. What came next, though? It's one thing to have this idea, but then it's another thing entirely to physically create a brand. So how did you go about finding a manufacturer, sourcing packaging and physically bringing the product to market?
1: Well, what came next were, you know, what I like to call the the tinkering phase. It was actually getting to work and tinkering on it and making so many mistakes. Oh my gosh. I have seen this product um, be clumpy, be like bally, be runny, split you know i've seen it do all things um and then to actually see it now where i'm really proud of it and i'm really happy and it's thick enough to kind of be a second skin but then it's it's um it moves well enough that you can rub it in and rub it in and then get it to whatever consistency you like. So you know what came next were all of the mistakes, you know, uh, speaking to different manufacturers. Um, and and also like you know going through, other products that they do, uh, do their, um, you know, brand, do their, their company ethos work in line with my brand ethos. Are they sort of, do they have other certified organic products, you know, because that's something that was really important to me. Um, You know, their stability testing, all of that. There is so much that I learned. It's amazing. I, I, the, the knowledge and, um, and the knowledge only came from making mistakes and going to the wrong places and trying the wrong things and having different tubes. And, you know, at, at one point it was in a jar and then I decided that I wanted something that was sustainable. And then my impact on the planet was really important to me. So then, you know, we went from different jar options to different tube options to where we are now, which is a green PE tube, um, so yeah, it's it's been it really has been a journey. But the thing that was always at the forefront of my mind were, you know, some pillars, some pillars that mean everything to me. That it is certified organic, that it is sustainable, um, you know, that it has minimal recognizable ingredients, that it is cruelty free, and that it is hundred percent Australian made and owned. To get there, it sounds like oh, there are five pillars. They should be quite easy. Let me tell you, it is not easy. And, you know, it was my own investment that kept on coming in and here and there and, and, you know, because you don't want to compromise on that quality. So, you know, and those things don't come easily and those things aren't readily available. So it took a lot of, um, you know, searching and trying out different things and then we finally arrived at where we are now. And, yeah, I'm really proud of it
0: worth the wait how long did that tinkering process take
1: from start mm. it took just under four years in total
0: see this is the thing like of, as you've <laughs> said it, it is a number of pillars but they take I tell time you, look,
1: I, you know I remember when it was really runny <laughs> I was like <laughs> I got a sample and, and I opened it and it just fell out of the tube like it just, and I'm like, what is this? Mm-hmm. This is not what happened here. This is not what I created. Um, and you know, and then there is a bunch of stability testing that you've got to do and, you know, putting it in different environments. And yeah, I mean, it really was quite, um, quite a learning experience for me and, you know, it was a lengthy one. It was three and a half years.
0: This is why so many people are still cutting that corner because there's one part of my brain saying, okay, well, it's doable. Why isn't everyone striving for that? And then the other part of my brain's like, because they want to bring it to market in six months.
1: If it it was easy, everyone would do it. Exactly, Everyone would do it and Mm -hmm. it's not. And the products that exist out there that do have all of those core values, there aren't many. Mm. there just aren't no
0: there are not (laughs) now as the name suggests the hero ingredient of macabam is of course macadamia a couple of questions on this what can macadamia do for the skin and had you already been aware of those benefits or were these things that you started to come across as you were researching and as you were in your words tinkering
1: well one one of the pillars that I spoke about earlier was that I wanted it to be an Australian made and owned product with Australian ingredients. Mm-hmm. So when I went down the path of looking at what Aussie ingredients were out there that were potent and powerful for the skin, I came across macadamia. Macadamia is such and it's such a little quiet achiever for the skin. It is natural vitamin E, right? So it's healing, it's replenishing, it's restorative. It's, it's amazing in that way. But then it is super hydrating. It locks in moisture in the skin. It creates a barrier. So your skin is always hydrated and supple. And I was like, why do more products not have macadamia in them? What is going on here? And, you know, I knew that I wanted to use macadamia as, as the hero ingredient, And then I discovered a bunch of other Australian native ingredients that I fell in love with, kakadu plum being one of them, um, which is a natural, potent antioxidant vitamin C in like the highest form that you can get. It it really is like a superfood for skin. So both of those combined, I was like, I have to make something with them. And then it was, well, what do I make? You know, am I going to make... you know, am I going to make a, a moisturizer? Am I going to make it this? Am I going to make it that? And then that's when the moment came back to, oh my gosh, no, we need to turn this in. First, we need to see if it's safe. Then we need to see if we can make it into the, the balm, the thing that was missing. Oh my gosh. And so that's how it all kind of happened. It all happened perfectly. It was like a perfect storm of discovering of what was missing in the market and then discovering these products that were amazing and then seeing if those were the ingredients that could work with, with what was missing. And then when I realised that it could work, that's when I was like, okay, into the lab, the mad scientist.
0: You've mentioned kakadu plum in there. Also, I should note, I had no idea of the benefits of macadamia either until you launched Obviously, I heard about the launch, and I was oh like, "I'm su- I'm supposed to know about these things." Then I'm reading it, and I'm going, <laughs> "What do What do you mean?" And then I started looking into it, and had the same thought: Why is this not being celebrated
1: more widely? Right? And it's and it's ours, yeah. And it's ours, like it's native to us, yeah. like it's in our own backyard, yeah. And Kakadu plum is another one; it's a native Australian ingredient that has been used for centuries yeah. for its healing properties. Um, and for its antioxidants. And yeah, it's just one of those things that I, I don't know, I just, I feel so lucky that in our own backyard, we, we, we were able to source and have and, and grow these things and farm these things. And, you know, they're ingredients that I'm able to use and, and really celebrate.
0: Well, I'm grateful that you reached that conclusion as well, <laughs> selfishly. So can you talk me through some of the other hero ingredients while we're on the product itself?
1: Oh gosh! Well, we've got um, rosehip oil, which we know is you know n- it's nourishing, it's replenishing for the skin. We've got sweet almond oil, which does the same thing. So these are these aren't uh, lesser ingredients; they're just other ingredients yeah. that mac, that macabum has in it. We've got natural vitamin E. Um, we've got uh, shea butter. We've got things that the, that we know that the skin loves and the skin takes to very easily. So these are what I call the carrier ingredients. So they carry those two hero ingredients into the skin and the skin knows and recognizes and has probably, you know, you've probably used all of these other ingredients in other beauty products. So the skin probably knows it. in every other lip balm, I'm sure that there is an element of or a version of one of these ingredients. And so you know, it it wasn't something that I was like, Oh, you know, I'm going to have to teach people about this. I'm like, people know what this is. I love that. I get to throw them in there. And then it was, you know, how do we, yeah. Like how do we put these other two hero ingredients in there and, and make it amazing. And that's what we did.
0: You touched on the fact that the brand being Certified Organic was really important to you, Certified, of course, being the key word here. Now, there is a bit of a grey area surrounding terms like organic and natural, but Certified Organic, there is no grey area there. If something is certified, that's that. So that in mind, what does it actually mean to be Certified Organic?
1: It means that there is an auditing process To get that certification that is it's so significant um from everything from where the ingredients are sourced to the farmers to where it is made to the facility that it's made to where it is stored to the stability testing to the packaging to the boxes that it goes into through to the warehouse that it's kept at um the the handling of it that Everything is audited, um, and there are so many boxes that have to be ticked. And you know the fact that I <laughs> I understand why why a lot of brands aren't certified organic because it is I can see where I you know I was like oh I I thought that that was such a standard thing nope it's not nope. like there are things that are really you know where the where where the tubes come from, how they were handled, where the paper comes from, how that was handled, how they're mailed out. Like absolutely everything that comes with that certification is audited and is checked and then checked again and you have to prove everything. Um, So, yeah, being certified organic is a huge feat and I'm really proud that, you know, Macabam is certified organic.
0: (laughs) This is the thing that I... I hope people realise is that every single element of that supply chain is analysed so thoroughly. You don't just get to say, oh, the ingredients are organic. Okay, well, we're going to have a look at every other process that you have in place.
1: Everything, 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 everything. You know, one of the things that was really um, interesting for me when I first launched Macabarm, like when it first started, I I had it stored in like my, um, in my house, I had like this little office slash wine rooms. Like, I don't know what it was useful before I got there, but I used it as my storage room and you know, they came out and they're like, so have there been any pest controllers in this house? Like in the past 12 months? And I'm like, uh, well, you know, we did, but we have actually like a natural and organic one. And they're like, we need to see that certification. And it just turned out that it was a natural and organic pest controller. I mean, had that not been the case, we would have had to have found somewhere else to have it that was certified in order to just keep boxes, you know? So there are things like that that actually do exist out there in the auditing process. So when you do see that something is certified organic, Trust it. Mm. It has been, it has been through it, and it has come out on the other end.
0: Well, I was going to ask, um, did you know this desire for it to be certified organic present any challenges? But I suppose the fact that you've had to go and go back and <laughs> check with the pest controller—that's certainly a challenge. It, I
1: was like, you know, it's just little things like that, and then they check, um, you know, they check humidity, they check temperature control, they check, they check everything. Like it really was amazing and yeah uh, there were challenges there weren't challenges per se but there were just things that I hadn't really thought about and that were kind of it was all new information and I'm just so glad that everything that I had created was in line you know with and it was Mm. just in line with my person with my personal ethos you know and it just so happened that that personal ethos was was something that was you know up to that standard which I'm really glad about
0: it's it's good that you were steadfast in what you wanted the product to be, because I imagine when something like that pops up, that's probably where a founder can go one of two ways, either going the way that you've gone and said, no, 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 this is the way we're going to do it. Or, oh, well, maybe it would be easier if we just, you know, kind of veered off and did what we needed to do to bring it to market sooner.
1: Absolutely. I I'm so glad that that I had that and, you know, because I always knew what it wanted to be. I, I would always go back to the origin point of it and, you know, that's, that's something that was really important to me that I never wavered from.
0: As it stands, Macabalm does consist of one hero product, the multi-use balm itself, available in three sizes. Thank you. It would be remiss of me not to ask, being a multi-use product, what are some of your favourite ways to use it?
1: Oh, I love this question. Um, I actually, because one of like my little beauty hacks with it <laughs> that I don't, that I just haven't really spoken about enough is that I use it as a primer on my like eyeshadow, eyelids, concealer, anything around my eyes, which is that really delicate skin area. I dab a little bit of macabum down on it first. And then if I were to use a powder eyeshadow, it does not move. It does not move. It keeps it in place. And then if I were to use a little bit of a powder to kind of conceal or to kind of like um, keep the concealer in place, it keeps it there. So there are some beauty hacks with it that I really like and that I'm really enjoying. Um, obviously, I I use it as a highlighter. I've spoken about that often. I've got it on I as use a highlighter it, currently. I can see. looks <laughs> lovely. Um, I use it on my brows to tame them. But then I also just really like to use it, you know, like in, in life, like for my cuticles, for my elbows. You know, if I were to get dry heels, i will rub it into my heels. Um and then it's become—it's definitely become that thing in our household where it's like you've got to cut macabam, you've got to this macabam, you've got to bruise macabre. I don't even know, but it's definitely the thing that comes out for everything um, if anyone should need it. So it—it it has been—it's been great and definitely multi-use. That's for sure.
0: This might be a cheeky question from me, but do you have any plans to extend the range beyond that product?
1: That is a cheeky question, <laughs> definitely. Um, look, I well, you know, it's it's a funny one, and I'll answer it totally, like honestly and frankly. Um, I wanted to create an all-purpose balm, and I created that, and I'm really proud of that, and I'm really proud of that being in the world, and I'd love to see how far that can go into the world, um, and I'd love to see how many you know, people can, can use it and enjoy it and can enjoy it for the purposes that I wish I had it. Um, so, you know, I really want to throw my full weight behind Maccabam. And of course, you know, in the beauty space, things move so quickly and new product development is like, it's the thing. It's like, well, if you're not new and relevant, then you're not new and relevant. And, you know, there has been a little bit of like new product development, new product development, but I, really love what I've created and I really believe in it so I'm not ready to to you know of course I will always evolve and always create new things and that's that's part of my creative journey but I really love what I've created in Macaban and I still feel like that baby has a long way to go
0: I have a lot of respect for that answer and you've also given me a perfect segue because I have spoken to a few founders who have expanded having launched with a singular skew and I think there is a real art to restraint with not just with beauty but with product development in general. There's a lot of, I think, power and a lot of confidence in seeing other trends emerging left, right and centre and saying, no, I don't think we need to bow to this or engage with it we're just going to keep channeling our resources into what we're doing and doing well have you experienced any of that pressure I mean you've been I was about to say you've been in business for a year now but really when we add development onto that it's closer to five have you felt much of that pressure from consumers or from the industry itself
1: it's it's not so much from consumers consumers are more like you know I love this product so much I'd love to see what else you know, you make uh, which of course I, I take with so much gratitude, like, Oh my God, you like what I make. Thank you. Um, But I think from the, from the industry itself or from, um, you know, if you were to go into retailers and, you know, people love a a story and an arc, right? So if you start with something, they want to see where you're going to go with it and then where you're going to end up. Um, And I just feel like, you know, I'm, I'm, definitely thinking about what I can create going forward, but it will always be in the same, um, you know, it will always maintain the same integrity of Macabam. And that didn't happen overnight. So I'm still um, willing and able and prepared to continue to throw my full weight and all of my resources behind that baby because it is so precious to me and so powerful and you know be it just a small little tube you know in 15 30 and 50 mils it's it's a tube of of some pretty powerful and potent stuff and I'd like to see where that can go for sure
0: you have sat at the helm of your brand since its launch last year but if we factor in your career pre Macabarm, really you've been involved with beauty for most of your life. What have been some of the biggest changes that you've seen within the beauty industry over, let's say, the last few years?
1: Definitely, uh, di- I think diversity is something that that I have seen and I have loved witnessing. Mm-hmm. And as a founder as well, um, I'm seeing. A lot more founded story that come, stories that come from um, you know a, a place of diversity that come from a story of diversity, and I'm loving hearing those voices being amplified in this space. It does remind me, it does remind me full circle, back to when I spoke about what I felt like as a kid, you know, in this modeling industry, feeling like I didn't fit, you know, comparing myself to others. So seeing and witnessing such diversity is amazing for me, you know, it, for me, like little me, like the little Latina that was, you know, modeling in Australia. Um, I'm loving seeing that and I'm loving hearing all of these different voices being amplified and really being, you know, brought to the forefront. Um, so I'm really enjoying that, and I hope to see so much more of that going forward. And it does make me really proud to be a Latina founder of a beauty product, for sure. And I'm also seeing so much more um, consciousness in the way that we consume and in the way that we create beauty products. I'm seeing, you know, and Macabum and speaks to that too. A lot more, uh, sustain, you know, sustainability. Um, yeah not centered, but definitely focused, right? So I, I, I think that we have a, a long way to go, our little brand, particularly with, um, you know, our, our footprint in that, but we are conscious of it and we are definitely trying and striving for greatness in that area. Like we you know, from our packaging, from the boxes that we use, right? Everything is recyclable. Everything comes from ingredients that we know and recognize everything. You know, it's like happy farmers, happy soil, happy planet, happy skin, happy us. Um, So there is just a lot more consciousness I'm finding around that in the way that we consume, but also in the way that we create.
0: And what changes do you think we can expect to see from the beauty industry over the next few years?
1: Both of those. <laughs> Excellent. Good. I'm hoping, to, I'm hoping to see a lot more diversity in the founders' stories. I'm hoping to hear from a lot more different voices from different places with, with beauty products that we know and love, like that beauty products that are like, you know, staples in our life that actually are minority-owned or that are, you know, that come from a, yeah, like a minority group or like a, you know, I love seeing the diversity and I also hope to see a lot more, um, you know, conscious consuming going on from all of us. And I do think that the consumer is getting more aware of, you know, our impact. Um, We love to know where our ingredients come from. We love to know that we're not contributing to, you know, crazy waste we love to know that we're that we're actually making an effort and making really considered decisions and i hope to see a lot more of that going forward
0: my final question what is next for macabam
1: <laughs> Um, well, we are launching here in the US, which is so exciting. It's so um, exciting. It is so exciting. Um, so, yeah, I, I guess that is the next part of it for me for Macabam, and and then so on and so on. But the very next phase is definitely launching here.
0: That was Pia Whitesell, founder of Macabam, which you can find on Instagram at Macabam. To read this interview, you can visit glowjournal.com. And for more beauty news, you can find me on Instagram at gemkwatts or at glow.journal. If you liked this episode, please do not forget to subscribe, rate, review and share so other beauty and business lovers can find us. I'm Gemma Watts. You've been listening to the Glow Journal podcast and thank you for joining me.